Kiora, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Kiora Wellington, and welcome to B Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. I am one of your hosts today, Perrine, and I am here. Hi, I'm Sapir. Um, and and yeah, we're here for you for B-Side Stories today. Uh, we are going beyond the mainstream to celebrate unsung heroes, rebels and enthusiasts who shape the fabric and flavour of Wellington. Awesome. And are you sitting next to a rebel right now? Um, not just a rebel, but also an unsung hero and an enthusiast. <laughs> um, I'm joined here by Michelle Frank, Head of New Zealand Conservation Projects from the World Wildlife Fund. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Grant. Um, just in case you're listening and you're thinking, oh, yeah, I'll stick around for a bit, but not for long, wait, uh, because at 5.30, Laura from the web series Burbs is joining us to chat to Perrine. Yes. Well, to chat to both of us, I would say, especially since you had the great idea that we should ask her. Um, yes, talk to Laura on the phone earlier and... We were both very excited about <laughs> about having a chat, so I can promise it will be unbridled enthusiasm, <laughs> if that's what you're into. It'll be great. <laughs> it's exactly what people are looking for on B-Side Stories, unbridled enthusiasm. <laughs> so Michelle is here to talk to us about uh, the greatest citizen science project in New Zealand. Is that a fair way to describe it? Uh, it's definitely um, the biggest environmental citizen science project in New Zealand. I'm just going to a little caveat around the environmental. <laughs> um, the, it is called the Great Kereru Count. Um, it is where all of New Zealand puts their eyes to the skies and counts as many kereru as they can and reports them. Um, can you give us a, a the like elevator pitch of what is the Great Kereru Count? So the Great Kereru Count is uh, 10 days in New Zealand where we're asking all New Zealanders from Kaitaia to um, to Stewart Island to get their eyes to the sky and count Kereru. These are the most amazing, beautiful birds and this is a chance for us to get a picture of how they're doing across the country. Um, why is it that we need to count kereru in New Zealand at all? As far as I know, they're not exactly endangered birds. So they're not endangered, but they're a critical bird for our ecosystems. I mean, for me, I just absolutely adore them. They're just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. But they actually have this really amazing role in, in our forest. They're the only birds left that can eat the really big seeds of trees like um, matai and tawa. So they eat them and then they disperse the seeds as they're flying through the forest. So that's how our forests can regenerate. Um, what is it about those particular plants that help our forests? Um, are they important to the ecosystem? Are they? What, why do we care about these ones and why do we need kereru to disperse them? Well, I mean, they, there's so many seeds that they eat. So because they're the only distributor of the fruit, they, because they've got really large mouths, they can eat these big fruits and then they digest them and then they um, disperse them as they're <laughs> flying across the country. So there's no other mechanisms for those big seeds to get dispersed throughout the forest. So they're critical to the regeneration of our forests. What might happen should we lose the kereru and lose that distribution? Well, I hope, I hope that that would, would never happen in New Zealand. But if that, if that day did come, then it would be really hard for those big trees to disperse their seeds. So they would only drop as far as the, the outreach of their branches rather than getting spread across country. 
And so how might that change the makeup of our native bush? I think it would be a, a slow change in the number of species that we'd have. So we'd see a change in the in the succession and the composition of our forests. Yeah. Uh, for those of us who maybe don't know or haven't got as clear a picture, um, can you tell us why that matters? Why that's important? If you think about a forest as a as a sort of a house, you know, there's all these rooms and all the and all the furniture, and everything has a place. It's the same in the ecosystem of a forest. You need a, a wide variety of plants, from the smallest sort of lichens and mosses and ferns, and then up to the big trees, because that's what our native animals also use to feed and roost and breed in. So it's all interconnected. Um, when did the World Wildlife Fund, the WWF? When did you first realise that counting kereru is part of the solution to this potential problem? Oh, the kereru count started um, in about 2014. It's a collaboration. So we're working with um, Wellington City Council and we're working with uh, Victoria University and regional councils all around the country. Uh, it's just we really, everyone feels like it would be really good to get a sense of how kereru are doing. So it gives us a kind of a, a picture of what's happening where. Um, had you, it started in 2014, um, three, two, nearly three years isn't that long. Have you got any of that picture yet? How long do you think before the data takes shape for you? Science, numbers, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> always the tricky questions. Um, it, it will take time. We're thinking it will be sort of seven to ten years where we can really get that picture. And the picture will only be as good as as many birds we get counted. So that's why my call out today is, please, 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 in the next few days, if you can get out and count kereru, we'd really, really appreciate that. So you've got till Sunday. Um, we've still got you know a few days left for you to give us that data. So data, the more birds we get counted, the more robust our data and the better the picture will be. Uh, we live in this era of like... Uh, uh, or um, what am I trying to say? We live in this very fast era, right? Everything happens pretty quickly. We see results from our blood tests come back like instantly. Um, everything is instant messaging. How do you keep New Zealanders engaged in a seven to ten year citizen project? So we do it year by year. And so what people can do is if they go to great uh, the greatkerudocount.org, there's many ways that you can participate. You can go straight through the website. But if you're one of those busy people, you can pre-download an app so that when you're walking along, you can just um, record your data straight away. Also, there's a live map. Um, so you can go and see what's been counted where. So it's, it's not just sort of send your data and it goes into the ether. We try to keep people, you know, seeing where the information's coming from. So I was lucky enough to see a beautiful kereru leave my, <laughs> leave my property the other day. So I jumped online and I went to log and it is a fabulous process. When you go and, um, when you go and log an observation of a kereru, you're asked, uh, where was it? Was it urban and rural? Um, did it look like a... The, the question I found most interesting, I have it here, um, were any New Zealand pigeon display flights observed? Uh, can you tell us a bit about why we need to know why you want to know about pigeon flights that aren't kereru flight patterns? Do you know what I mean? What was the, I think they're asking if the 
kerere, we're doing display dives. So when they're in mating, if you get to see them, they do these amazing sweeping dives. It's just really incredible to see. And at this time of the year, they're just starting to congregate and get their, their, get their mates together and start to go into nesting. So this is the time of year you could also see display dives. So the question is, are you seeing any display behaviour um, when you're seeing them? Right. So... So we're out on the street, a beautiful kereru comes past, and if it's just hopping from, say, branch to telephone wire, that's one thing. And if it's swooping through the air, that's quite another. Yeah, when you see them doing mm. the display domes, you'll know they go up really high and then they came down. It's really, it's beautiful and graceful. And, um, yeah, hopefully you'll get to see one one day and that would be cool. Are there some areas that are better for seeing these display dives? It's just a timing thing. Uh, so yeah, it's it's luck. I'm sure in the areas where there's a higher density of kereru, mm-hmm. um, you're more likely to see them. So maybe in Wellington around Zealandia or Atari, you know, um, where there's lots of kereru, you could hopefully. <laughs> so the choice to have it this time of year is significant then in the life cycle of the kereru? Yeah, it's significant. There's food around so that they're coming in and, and uh, it's easier to spot them. But also they're just starting to get together and you know get their mating sort of sorted out and, and start to start breeding going into sort of October. Um, I read on the site that the data is used not only to understand kereru numbers and what that means for the forests, but also to protect the kereru themselves. Well, I think that's what we're hoping for going forward. So as we can build that picture and we can get a sense of, you know, in Wellington, you know, are Kittery going increasing or decreasing or, you know, in, in the wire wrapper, if we were getting a sense of that they were decreasing, then we would start to think about, well, what needs to happen in these areas to, to further protect them? What kind of checks and balances do you have? Because it is a citizen science project. Yeah. You can only rely on kind of the amateur knowledge that we laymen have, right? Um, if the numbers start to decrease, do you have a way of knowing if that is to do with maybe less people participating or if or if it's to do with um, with location and where people are? How can you how can you marry like what's happening in the world and what's happening with Kedadu numbers? So two things. That's why well firstly that's why we need the the sort of the seven to ten years. Because data will go up, you know, and you'll have better seasons and where Kiru are doing well and, and not so well. So we need to kind of average it out over the, the whole time. And again, that's why we're asking people, please, 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 um, <laughs> let us know where you see Kiru. But if you're doing a timed count, um, you could let us know when you're not seeing Kiru. Because that's equally as, por- as important as the seeing. So we're starting to build a picture up. I went out and, you know, did my 15-minute bird count and I didn't see anything. That's critical information, as well as, yes, I saw something. So those two things combined. And those the scientists at Victoria University, you probably need to talk to them to understand how they analyse that data um, a lot more. I'm not, a, I'm not a scientist, but they do a fantastic job. So um, you, you bring up a good point that you're in this big partnership. You've got Victoria University, the Kiridu Discovery, Nature Watch New Zealand. What does everyone bring to the table? How does this partnership work? So um, uh, 
Victoria University is their science, the scientist in the science. Um, so we send them all the data at, at the end of the count, and they magically, I'm not sure how, <laughs> they process that data and they come back and they analyse it by region and, and give us an, over, an overall feel for the day. Um, Nature Watch is responsible for that, the app. So that's where you can go in and record your information. Um, Wellington City Council has been an amazing supporter for many, many years of Kereru and the Kereru Count. And regional councils, you know, Nelson Regional Council, the councils around the country are all engaging and letting citizens or people know in their regions that it's happening and, you know, get out there and count birds. So it's a, a collaborative process, really. Um, the... So the count started on Friday, at the beginning of this 10 days of, of the eyes to the skies. How are we doing so far? Uh, I got my numbers this morning. <laughs> Tony, who's our wonderful Kereru um, coordinator, uh, 3,500 birds counted as of this morning. Wow. So that's, so that's fantastic. Yeah, we're really pleased. And shout out to Wellington, since we are in Wellington. So um, we also, someone did a 15-minute count on Sunday and recorded 157 birds, kereru, in 15 minutes. So way to go, Wellington. Um, maybe someone could beat that. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good way to incentivise people to go out and, and watch for, watch for kereru. Um, this is a bit of a, I get, you said you're not a scientist, but I, you may know. How do you take into consideration people across the same area logging the same bird? How yeah. do you get an accurate number? So it's more getting the, the trend analysis. So you, I can't guarantee that a bird hasn't been counted twice, particularly because they can fly distances. But the, the way they do the calculations and they run their formulas through it, it does take into account for that. So it tries to even that out. Wow. Very, very cool. Um, oh, so I have the numbers from last last year. Yeah. There were 11,990 kereru counted in 2016, which is pretty spectacular. Um, do you have any kind of projections for this year? I'd like to... Um, it was higher the previous year. It was 16,000, so 11,000 last year. It's, again, it's really hard to know why there was it was really bad weather last time, food sources, um, but we we don't put a limit on it. That you know, the the more that people are counting, the more that people are telling us that either seeing them or not seeing seeing them would be as as fantastic. But you know, let's go for you know beating sixteen thousand from two thousand from two years ago. That would be awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be that would be really good for conservation, eh? Yeah, be, cool. yeah, and I just think it's such a cool project because everyone can do it. Like, not everyone has got the time or feels comfortable, you know, trapping or can plant trees or, or those sorts of things. But this is a project that anyone can do. From you know, it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter where you live in an urban or a rural. Everyone, you know, hopefully everyone will take the time just to start looking for these birds. And in Wellington, in the Hutt Valley, and it's not that hard. You, know, you see them sitting on power lines or in trees where. We're just so lucky in this city, I think, to have them, you know, their, their presence getting more and more, you know, obvious. Mm, and a big thanks to Zealandia and all of the other native plant, I mean, native forest restoration projects around the city as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Zealandia's done an amazing job of being that, you know, that source of 
a whole lot of birds coming out. And then you've got Crofton Downs, the job that they've done up there, Pole Hill. You've got all these predator-free communities coming on. Miramar, shout out for Miramar, that's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but Wellington's taken on being predator-free. So we're in a pretty exceptional city, I think. Um, I work on the terrace, and it, I would say at least once a month I can look out my window and see a kereru, you know, nesting in the trees along the terrace. It's like, how many cities can do that in New Zealand? So, yeah, I think we're doing really, really well here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role, um, how you got started in conservation and why, you, why you're dedicating your time to this? Wow. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember a time where I wasn't obsessed with animals and nature. My father was a possum trapper back in the day, um, so that's how I first started out, walking possum trapping lines. And it's, I've been so lucky. It's, I've spent my whole career working in conservation and the environment in many, many different roles. And my role in New Zealand is um, looking after community conservation. We have a, um, a really successful project that we partner with up in Northland called Reconnecting Northland. We give out grants to community groups so that they can do the wonderful work that they do. And right now, I'm going to make a plug, we've got our Conservation Innovation Awards that have just opened this morning. So we're looking for game-changing ideas that can really help and up the ante when it comes to um, you know, getting the, the outcomes that we need for our um, environment. What is a game-changing idea? What do you can you give us an example? Yeah, so last year one of the um, the winners is uh, it was called Riverwatch, and it's a water quality testing device that's a affordable, it's compact, and it connects to a cell phone. So it's just about to go into commercialisation, and it means that any community in New Zealand can afford. You know, it's an affordable and really uh, robust water quality testing device, which. It's a first in New Zealand, and we probably think it's a first potentially globally. So that's an example of the the sorts of things. Another one was an app. If you're living up north with kauri, kauri dieback is a really big issue um, and something that we don't have a cure for yet. So this app is that people can log in well, where they're seeing kauri dieback, so know the areas to avoid, and then we can also see the spread. Um, the third one is uh, a way of of following birds with um, transmitters on them using drones, and it can count uh, many different uh, sensors at the same time. So those are the sorts of things that yeah, we've invested in in the past. It's amazing hearing those three examples um, and the fact that there's an app in the Kereru count as well that, I mean, for you especially, if you've been in conservation your whole life, you must see this dramatic change in technology playing a role in our conservation projects. Absolutely, and I think it's really exciting, and I think there's way more to come. You know, with the high-tech stuff that's happening, and we can, if we can apply that technology to conservation and the environmental um, issues that we've got and mesh the two together, I think it's really exciting. And New Zealanders are really um, innovative. You know, that whole number eight wire, some were saying what we need now is number nine wire. You know, like we need to take it to the next level. And I, I know that there's lots of great ideas out there, and we just want to unearth them, give them some um, support to really take their their ideas to the next level. Wow, that's wow, that's really, really cool. <laughs> Just like I, I feel like anything that makes the the work more accessible and more immediate is gonna go a really long way. Yeah, I mean I think there's a sense of urgency now. 
you know, the planet is changing really fast. Um, we've got some significant challenges, but I know that we can do that. I know that we can meet them. But it's going to take everybody working together and really thinking outside the box around what is it going to take. Um, yeah, but I know that we're up for it. Um, I really like the idea of, I mean, you know, technology is this thing we can use in lots of different ways. And often, you know, you hear the drone, word drone and you think, ah, <laughs> killing people in war zones, basically. And, you know, you think of cell phones and you think of all the kind of useless um, ways that people use them and waste their time on it. Sorry, I know that's fun too, but, <laughs> but then to be able to use it for something that will make the world we live in nicer to be in, that's cool. I think it's really cool. And I think what's really great, particularly around the app technology, I think it makes making a difference accessible to a lot of people. Because a lot of people may feel like I don't know how to contribute or it's just me. And I think the more uh, options we've got for people actually being able to do what they can, little, small, whatever that looks like, but feel like they're contributing to something. And if we can make that easy for people, I think that that's a really exciting place to be. Is there anything else that you want people to know about this project, about your organisation, the WWF, about the Great Kadadu Count? Well, you know, WWF is about people working or living in harmony with nature. So that's that's our mission. That's, you know, what kind of drives us. Um, look, we've got a few more days. We've got till Sunday. Please get out there and, and look for Kiriru. It would be really, really awesome. And let's have Wellington really rock it nationally. <laughs> <laughs> and um, see how many birds. I'll come back and let you know how many birds we've counted in, in Wellington. And also, you know, if you've got this burning idea or thought about something that would make a difference for conservation I'm really keen to know about that so if you went to www.wwf.org.nz slash innovation we've got an online platform there uh, where you can put up your ideas or go and see what other people are thinking about in terms of game changers for New Zealand so go check the, go check it out Fabulous. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think we learned a lot, not just about Kereru, but about the beautiful country we live in. Um, so, yeah, I'll just echo what you just said. Go and count. Go and count some Kereru. Cheers. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.